The word bonita means beautiful, but it's also a synonym for love. My name is Viviani Aires. I am a licensed esthetician, massage therapist, makeup artist, wellness practitioner, and the founder of Viviani Aires Skin Wellness Facial Studio here in Philadelphia. Today and always, I invite you to be bonita. When you are surrounded by community and encouragement, I believe that you can truly become and embody the beauty that is already inside of you, no matter your age or background. My hope is that this podcast will be that community and encouragement for each and every listener. Get comfortable, Bonita, because with a little help from industry experts, we are going to share one-of-a-kind conversations about skincare, self-care practices, wellness, and so much more that will leave you feeling overwhelmed with self-confidence, self-awareness, and self-acceptance, and most importantly, powerful. So together, let's be Bonita. Oi, Bonita. Welcome back to the Be Bonita podcast. I am your host, Viviani Aires, and today we have a very special guest, very special to my heart. I just got to know this woman months ago, but I, I it feels like I already know her for years. So welcome, Miss Margette Hayes. Hello. Oi, Bonita. Oi, Bonita. I'm so <laughs> happy to have you here because I know you have so much to share. And I was super excited when you said yes, when I invite you to be a part of the this episode. So I'm very curious. Your story is very fascinating because you switch careers in your your lifetime to this point. And um, I have so many questions to ask you, but the first question, I want to understand why you chose to become a paramedics. Oh, I haven't been asked that question in a while, but I've, I've always like voluntarily just quickly, sh you know, share it to anyone who, who, who asked me how my story evolved into, you know, a business owner and a trauma therapist. But to answer your question, I became a paramedic because when 9-11 happened, September 11, 2001, I was in nursing school. And as I was going through that, 9-11 happened and I was watching the news and I saw the burning buildings in New York and I saw people running out and then there were people going in. And those people who are going into the buildings, saving lives were firefighters, cops. And then there's this other group of people that I was like, who are those? So I'm an immigrant, right, from the Philippines. So we didn't have paramedics, like in the Philippines back when I was growing up there in the 80s. Now they do. But then back then, no, I was like, who are those group of people? And, you know, and it says, you know, paramedic, NYC, NYPD, right? Uh, New York Fire Department and then paramedics. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be a cop. Like I knew that for sure. I, I knew that I don't want to be going to the burning buildings all the time, right? So I didn't want to be a firefighter. Although firefighters do many other things than just going to burning buildings. And then I was curious about the profession paramedic. So I looked it up in a phone book, right? And then I saw a school and then I, I called them up. And then that's when I started switching from like being in nursing school to becoming a paramedic. And I was a paramedic for 13 years. Wow. Why was that? Well, what made you to even yeah. go into that industry? Because the, it's it's a it's a powerful calling, just like teachers, just like therapists, just like 
mothers. Yeah. Not oh, very, 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 very mothers, right? Very good, very good follow-up question, Viviani. Because um, so as an immigrant, right? As an immigrant, and I was 16 when I moved here with my parents. And you know, and you know, if you live in a developing country and grew up there, you know that America is the country to go to, right? Right, you know, and then it's like, okay, it's like where your dreams come true, where you become somebody and achieve the dreams that you have. So as an immigrant moving into the country, so I was 16 and then in 2001, I was 21 already. And I was like, you know, how can I give back to this country that I have adopted or have adopted me? And I felt that being a paramedic, serving the community, working in 911 system is something that is giving back. To, to the people of this country. So that was one of the very enticing thing about the profession for me, right? As a, you know, like um, I wasn't even a citizen yet at that time. I became a citizen in 2003. That was one of the reasons because I wanted to give back. I was patriotic in a way at that time. And also I wanted to stay in the medical field. I grew up with my parents programming in my brain that medical field, there's always a job. And a lot of Filipinos are nurses, actually. I don't know if you know that, but there's a lot of Filipinos who are nurses. And it's like, either you become a nurse or you be, you go to the Navy or you become an accountant or you become a doctor, but you're always in the medical field or math or Navy. Like that, this, this stereotype. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stay in the medical field and paramedic, you know, it's, it's in the medical field, but it's in emergency medical services. And also you wear that uniform and I feel, you know, patriotic wearing that uniform, answering 911 calls. So, yeah. And I feel like it, it might have just kind of touched your heart with that idea that you couldn't make a difference at that moment in time with your heart. At times you like, you hear people like uh, volunteering for a cause that from afar, we appreciate from afar, we can donate money, but there, there, there are kinds of human beings that they will give their lives for that cause. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did. Yeah. It's helping, right? It's always in the, in the profession of, it's a helping profession, right? Mm -hmm whether you're, you know, a nurse, a doctor, a teacher, right? You're helping. And there are many other industries that do help people. And I found that with being a paramedic, um, you show up at the worst day of someone's life, right? One of the worst days of their lives, right? Um, and being able to help them or save their lives. It's not every day that we save lives, right? But just showing up for those people, knowing that, hey, you know, I know this is the worst, one of the worst days of your life. It's not the worst day of your life, but we, I'm here for you to help you through this and do my best to help you. So for me, it's only natural for you to become a trauma counselor. Mm. <laughs> oh, girlfriend. The journey to becoming a trauma counselor is like, it's a long time coming mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, as a, as a paramedic, um, you know, every day, I, not literally every day I go into work and witness traumatic events, but with my own trauma, I think that was the reason why I became a trauma counselor. I didn't seek it out. I just knew that I couldn't be a paramedic anymore. For 13 years, uh, doing what I did with that, working um, the fire department, working for a private company, working for hospitals, and, you know, like, and then becoming a mom and knowing that, you know, I, I couldn't continue doing this work because it, it no longer, it, it wasn't 
fulfilling me anymore in a way that I wanted to grow more. I want to be challenged in a different way. And also something bad happened to me working when I was a paramedic, when I was assaulted by my coworkers and that added to the trauma that, you know, not only the everyday trauma that I get from witnessing other people's trauma, but also having to heal that trauma that I had experienced. And then also with that part of me, um, realizing that I have so many unprocessed and unhealed traumas from like being an immigrant, being a brown person living in America, being in a field of mostly men, white men, right? And growing up in a developing or third world country during that time, right? And all those traumas that needed to be healed. So it was me looking for some healing that mm -hmm. kind of like me ending up in the field of trauma therapy. Again, I wasn't seeking it. It kind of like the universe kind of threw it at me. Hey, check this out. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> so then um, tell me into more detail. How did you, I think like there is a part of us that we are always, uh, some point in time, we are introduced to a book, a podcast, or even mm -hmm. a conversation with a professional. And you're like, maybe I need therapy or maybe I need to, maybe this is the industry that I want to jump, you know, get into because I have these skill sets or because I'm just curious, right? So to understand the evolution of being a, a trauma counselor, therapist, mm -hmm. did you jump into after you work in your trauma or afterwards that you're like, wait a minute, I have some unresolved trauma, so I need to care for myself. And as you're doing that, then you learn that you can also help others. Yeah. Ooh, what a beautiful question. So when that significant event that happened to me when I was working as a paramedic, um, that traumatic event that was, uh, you know, the, the assault that I experienced did not lead me to therapy. Now, it led me into depression and post-traumatic mm. stress disorder and anxiety. And how I coped with that was working harder, working more, taking on another job, becoming a bartender and also a paramedic and exercising more at work. And I was in the best shape of my life, partying more, right? Drinking more. And that was how I cope, right? And it was normalized. It was normal in the field. It was normal in our society, right? You work hard. You don't want to rest. You just went through something traumatic. Come on, just keep moving, right? And that was my mentality back then. I was like, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to show people that I am strong, fucking strong. I'm going to work more. I'm going to show you. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show up in all freaking social engagement, and I will party a lot harder than you do. And that's how I coped with the PTSD, with anxiety, and with the depression. I would not admit that I was depressed, anxious, or has PTSD. Mm -mm, no, that's shameful. No. So there you go. But that wasn't sustainable, girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It wasn't sustainable. To a point in my life where I'm like, I wanted, I just wanted to sleep. Because I was tired. My nervous system, I didn't know this at that time. My nervous system was so dysregulated. And all I wanted to do was sleep. But of course I couldn't sleep. Because of all this unprocessed thoughts and feelings, right? That I had been suppressing with alcohol, with work, with partying, and with, you know, working out. So it still, it still took me 10 years and a semester in grad school, Viviani, before I reached out for healing. It took me 10 years. 
And it was, you know, when my daughter was born and I saw this beautiful, you know, baby and I'm like, I wanted her to be happy. Right. And I'm like, how can I expect a child to be happy if I wasn't? I was not happy. But for other people, I was successful, though. Right. Mm. They can look at me and be like, oh, she's successful. She's happy. She's, you know, but deep down, I was not. I was struggling. And, you know, and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta work on me. Right. And it was that moment when I was looking at my daughter, I'm like, I just want her to be happy. And I was like, okay. What do I need to do, right? I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. Again, look at, listen to this, my mentality. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to school, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm already working. I'm a new mom. And I'm like, I'm going to go back to school and change careers. I'm just, I'm happy because of my job, right? I'm going to change careers. So I'm like, okay, what do most paramedics become after they're done with being a paramedic? A lot of times they become nurses or they become ER doctors or they become PAs. So I applied to nursing school, I applied at PA school, physician assistant. I got rejected, rejected, rejected. And then I got on my knees Mm. and I'm like, God, I'm not very, I'm not religious, um, but you know, but I do believe there's a higher power. I do believe in God. And you know, and I'm like, okay, you tell me what you want me to do. You tell me how you want me to serve others. I don't know what, what I want to do. I thought I want to be a nurse or, or a physician assistant, but I know for a fact I don't want to be a paramedic anymore. That I know for sure. But you tell me how you want me to serve your people. Then I don't know how long, maybe a few days or a week. I don't know, but I got this postcard. And on this postcard from Jefferson University, but at that time it was Philadelphia University. And I went to um, my batch, I got my bachelor's from Philly, from Philadelphia University. So I got this postcard and it says community and trauma counseling, a master's program. New, it's newer. It was just the second year that they're having this program. Check it out. I'm like, oh, interesting. Let me check it out. Again, right? Not knowing that I'm going to be a therapist. So I went heard the talk of the professors, the former students, and I fell in love. I fell in love with the program. And then, you know, it was a two-year program. It wasn't easy, but I, I knew that I was meant to be there. And I, as I was going through that program, I realized that, you know, like, um, I have a story to tell. I have my own traumas. And I discovered that I have so many unhealed wounds. As I was learning how to become a trauma therapist, I was learning how to heal myself as well. So again, it was 10 years and a semester in grad school before I realized that I need to pause. I need to acknowledge the pains and the adversities, right? That I have experienced. And I'm like, oh my God, like I need to, like all these coping mechanisms that I was doing of moving, 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 proving the world that I'm strong was not helping, right? So that was the moment I realized that, you know, I had to go find a therapist, right? So I found a therapist worked with him for a lot of years and you know and and the healing continues right i will pause i have done my shadow work right throughout the years i've done my reiki you know i've done the working with a shaman you know i've had experience with mushroom all these different healing modalities right to heal the traumas that i experience right the big t's and the little t's right? That made me who I am, the survival mechanisms that I've learned, right? Like I I need to become aware of those and realize that, you know, this were not helping. It helped me before, 
right? But as a grown up now, as who I am now, like it doesn't help anymore. And just realizing those, like um, I'm still healing, but I am in a much better place than where, where I was 10 years ago. We have such a parallel experience. And that's why I think I fell in love with you when you spoke at Selfish Philly. Mm, mm, Very powerful. Mm. I just loved your deliverance. There's so much power in your voice and your expression. And now I understand why we have the same calling for the betterment of humanity. Being a woman, we understand what we struggle with. The saying yes to everything and no to ourselves. Being an immigrant myself, coming from a a household dynamic that was very toxic, you know, between my mom and dad fighting all the time, my father being an alcoholic, very aggressive verbally and physically, Um, watching my mother going through that, watching my mother also become a codependent to that kind of dynamic, led me to go through childhood in two teenager years where I was seeking to just run, 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 because Mm -hmm. that was just too much for me. And so I'm a fan of Dr. Mate, Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate. I love him. I have four of his books. I have watched his lectures on YouTube for two years. I just freaking love him. And I'm in therapy as well. And his words for me, it really touched my heart when it when he talks about trauma, when you talk about the big T and the little T. I could understand he said something to me that really kind of brought a lot of clarity to my my behavior, right? And this is like you're talking about healing, like it's a continuous work. It's it never stops because you are involving as a mother, as a woman, as a child, you know, the inner child is always there. And he always says this, trauma is not what happens with you, is what happens inside of you. And that, as I'm speaking right now, I'm having goosebumps because it led me to a memory, the first memory of my childhood where my father, like quick story, I was 11 years old. It was my birthday. That memory is so vivid in my mind. And my mother had me like leaving the house, we were about to get the cake. And for some reason, my mother found out that my father was with another woman, right? So she found him as he was leaving from a motel with that woman. My mother ran to get the woman and left me on the sidewalk. This was your birthday, right? That was my birthday. So my father picked me up and he asked me to get in the car. And I was like, dad, dad, is it my fault? Is it my fault? And he was like, no, baby, it's not your fault. And I was like, and I was crying because one, I am worried about my mother. I am seeing my father in distress and that was it. So the memory goes away, right? Then there are memories of my father telling me that in his mind, he wanted me to be a a student with A's and be studious. And because I already been suffering from other times of, not other kinds of trauma, but witnessing that kind of dynamic in my, my, my household. And not only that, bad grades also led to spanking for a punishment, like kneeling on like 
corn and face in the wall you know like like stuff and outside of this country it would be like it's normal back yes. now mm -hmm. that we are more conscious i hope so or parents or i don't i wouldn't do that to my son so anyway the point is i grew up thinking in the back of my mind there is always been this thing like I am not smart enough. Therefore, it's never enough. Therefore, I need to buy another book. I need to buy another course. I need to I need to take another class. I say no. I was saying no to things because I didn't believe I could really handle, right? Mm -hmm. And through relationships with men, and there were like trigger moments that I was like, shit, this is... The feeling was very familiar. So I will go into defending myself and and then my mother would show up where I would kind of try to maybe it's me so mm -hmm. I, I had a tendency to kind of damp my light or damn who I am you know as a, as a Brazilian woman thinking that I was too needy thinking that I was too this and too that so fast forward as I could afford therapy I was kind of getting to know like where these responses were coming from and got to a point that I had to get a, have a one-on-one -on -one with my father via Skype at that time. Okay. Uh -huh. That's how long ago. And I so, remember Skype. <laughs> yeah. So I said, dad, I want to, I'm working on myself and this is what I am unpacking and I need you to listen. So we had wow. the conversation because of those times here are my my shortcomings and he was like I am so sorry I am aware and I feel so bad with the things that I have done to to my family to your mother and I'm so and we are crying right so I had that kind of healing process with him fast forward still lingering still lingering this was showing up in my work it was showing up in relationships and then I found Dr. Mate and I was like Oh, I still carry this. Then I was introduced to ayahuasca. Oh, nice. Yeah. So then where well, we went deeper and wide. And so I would say there was going through stuff. There was another pitiful moment in my life where everything was falling apart and I was falling, I was falling with it. And so I was like, okay. We need, still need to 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 work on the big big T. Mm -hmm. That was the big T in my life, and the little T's is just like always getting to relationship with unavailable emotional and unavailable men because I was unavailable mm -hmm. because I will go in with please love me I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. and please love me because that's what my mother did to my father right right, right? so yeah. that codependency that right codependency it's, and so yeah. when I was going you know we, this was like the revelation really came to the to the to the tip of point through therapy and then my therapist was like the issue always been my father that was the focus and then she's like well as you keep sharing with me have you also considered the fact that you also have to do some healing with your mom? And I was like, yes, to this point, to this day. So yeah. 
So going back to what you're saying, there's so much more. I, I'm going to write a book about my life. Right. As an, as an immigrant, like that's what I also related to you. As an immigrant, we had to go through also creating a new identity to adapt to this culture. And so as I have to create a new identity, I also lost a little bit of myself. Uh And I feel like I'm still trying to get myself back, but I also know that I'm doing a much better job than 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I would like to know from you, like I really, because I'm curious as an immigrant, how, how do you deal with maintaining who you truly are Meanwhile, you need to survive in this country. What was the type of work or the coping mechanism for you to to really like, okay, I got this, I need to go through this because I want to stay here and I, I have things to do. Share with me and share with us because we yeah. have listeners. Yeah, how, do, how did you deal with like creating this new identity in, in order for you to survive in America? You know, when you're an immigrant, right? you want to you want to blend in right you don't want to stick out uh, you want to blend in you want to follow the rules you want to do what most people are doing and uh, the majority of people doing in the space that you're in i definitely wanted to blend in you know like listening to you earlier about what you're sharing like dimming my own light holding my words not speaking up not expressing how i feel not asking for what I need. Those are the coping mechanisms that I've learned to not stick out and to not get attention. And, you know, like I already stick out, right? Like, um, as you know, like you and I, like we, we you know, like, um, I mean, it's the spaces that we're finding ourselves in nowadays is it's more diverse, but back then, right? Like, um, I, find myself like I'm the only either the only female or the only brown individual or the only brown female right and it's like you know okay like uh, I already stick out so I'm going to just like not hide that I I don't think that was my intention but my intention was like how can I be just in the background be a fly on the wall and like you know and, and not get a lot of it and that was hard for me because in the Philippines I was loud and voice I was an only child and I was like really encouraged to be like myself and and, and speak out and, and be creative and be you know and, and I went on all girls Catholic school and we were like programmed to like be be expressive right and then um and then moving to this country I'm like, you know, I, I knew how to speak English, but not very well, right? And I have a strong accent. Like, that's going to make me stick out. People are going to laugh at me, right? right? So I'm like, how can I just stay quiet, not put a lot of attention? So that was my coping mechanism. And, and also, I wanted to assimilate. I wanted to do what most people do, the people, right? If drinking was a norm, I'm going to drink. If, you know, hanging out like a guy was a norm, I'm going to hang out like a guy, right? Like, it's all like, how can I blend in, right? And I am, oh, this is something that when you were talking about, like, in relationship, I was the same thing with relationship. I was like, what do you need? I'll adjust to you. And I was proud of that, too. I'm like, I can adjust. I can put me in any situation. I can adjust, right? And not knowing that I'm really covering my authentic self. Right. I'm really pushing away my authentic self. And it's, it's, you know, and recently just learned this. It's colonization, colonization. And I'm learning to decolonize myself mm-hmm. by really 
using my nickname, Majet, right? I went with Maria for a very, very long time. I mean, it is my official name, right? Maria Janet Reyes, but Majet is my nickname. It's a combination of Maria and Janet. And I love that. And people in my, you know, Filipinos here in America and in the Philippines call me Majet. And now, you know, I use that more. But before I will be like, call me Maria, right? Because either you can't pronounce it correctly or like, you know, or you, <laughs> you're weirded out. That's going to make me stick out. Right. So I like call me Maria. But now it's like so it's like that colonization mentality that I didn't know that was the word for it. I thought I was just adjusting and, you know, what do you call that? Oh, what is the other word? Adjusting, adapting. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very adaptable. You tell me what you want. You tell me what I need to do. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm so, you know, in relationship at work, right at school, like that was me not knowing that I'm really suppressing and pushing aside my authentic self. And how can I advocate for myself if I don't speak up, if I don't ask for what I need, if I don't express how I feel? So yeah, like those are the the stuff that I could remember. I'm sure I've done many other like uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms, right? Well, you know, I've done the same. So I can so relate to what you're saying. And I just had these memories right now as you were speaking. So let's go back to the to the word trauma. Yeah, the big T and the little T. Describe to us like what does it look like, and examples and 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 how to cope or how to not cope actually, but how to work through it when that shows up. So I really love how Gabor Mate, Doctor Gabor Mate describe what trauma is, right? And trauma is not the significant event. It's not the actual event. It's that felt experience that was unprocessed. So something happened to us and then we felt a certain way, right? And then we didn't feel safe enough. We could not, we never found a space that is safe enough for us to express how that felt like for us. That's the trauma. And that trauma, we care. It's the feeling, right? That trauma, that feeling of the fear, shame is a big thing. Shame, guilt, guilt. fear, yeah. anger, right? Like those feelings that we had and we didn't get to process those. That's the trauma that we carry with us. You know, whether that happened in our childhood, in our teens, in our early 20s, early in our life, like we carry that with us, you know, as we get older. And then triggers, 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 triggers come up. And then when we get triggered, it's that self-experience, right? That feeling that was not processed, come up. And then we get angry. Then we get defensive. Then, you know, we shame other people, right? Then we start showing those unprocessed feelings, right? The, the stressors, the triggers bring out our, you know, unprocessed traumas, right? These reactions, our reactions to these triggers and stressors didn't just pop out of nowhere. It has a root, like it, the root of it is their past experiences. And then those past experiences has feelings, brought out feelings for us, but then we didn't get to process those feelings. So that is the trauma that we're carrying around in our hearts, in our bodies. So that is trauma. Now, there is that big T and the little T's and the big T is what we typically think of. A lot of people think that, you know, trauma is assault, rape, war, natural disasters, death, accident, like those are the big T's. And sure, there may be 
a few people who had never experienced any of those big T's. But then all of us have experienced the little T's. And the little T's are those moments in our lives wherein we felt judged, shamed, blamed, neglected, abandoned, unseen, unheard, invalidated. Those are the little T's, those moments that are, you know, a lot of times it's our caregivers, it's our parents who made us feel those way right? And I'm not saying this to blame our parents. Our parents have gone through a lot of shit as well, right? And that's their own experience. That's what they learn. And that's their experience. And they have their own unprocessed traumas, unprocessed feelings. And if that wasn't healed, then you know what? It's gonna be passed down to us. And this is why our healing is so important. Because when we heal ourselves, not only are we healing ourselves, we're also healing our parents and their parents and this generational trauma is being passed down so that we don't pass it down to the future generations. The trauma, you know, these feelings that were not processed for us, when those events, right, those, those instances or interactions that made us feel a certain way, it's feelings are something that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Right. Our society did a very good job on teaching us how to not feel. Our society have taught us to just push through. You're strong. Keep going forward. It taught us survival mode. Because when we're in survival mode, we want to continue living. Right? We want to continue our lives. We want to survive. So it's survival mode. That we suppress the feelings. We didn't have time to feel. Because when we feel... You know, we, we feel the energy, we feel this pain, this hurt, and it's so scary that society did a really good job to tell us that, no, don't feel, right? And if we do- so buy this so the feeling goes away. Yes, like exactly. this celebrity, then your feeling is going to go away. That's right? how society plays, you know? That's so true. That's so, so true. Yeah, buy this, get this, take this, right? So the feeling, so you won't feel- that way like there's so much shame on like emotions and then if you do oh you're emotional like that's a dirty word right or you're you're too sensitive right it's like okay then I'm not gonna feel I'm just gonna work or, or push through and be strong and then we just keep the traumas inside our bodies and then we wonder why we kept getting triggered right and we kept getting stressed and then we're reacting to it so what we really need to do is to be able to feel to be able to recognize what our survival tactics are. Like, what am I doing to, you know, that, that keeps me in survival mode, right? Because a life is meant to be lived, not just to survive. And feeling is living, right? We feel happy, we feel joy, we feel fulfilled, but we also, it's normal for us to feel sad, to feel angry, to feel scared. Like we can feel and all we need to do is just acknowledge that, give it space because that feeling is not going to stay forever. It just wanted to be acknowledged, right? So it can go and we're not reacting, but we're responding to ourselves when we feel that way. Oh, I'm feeling scared. Why am I scared? Oh, because this could be love, right? Or because this is a threat. Right? It could be love and we're not used to feeling love, right? So it, our defense mode come up and we'll be in survival mode and be like, push that person away. 
Or it could be like, oh, I'm scared because I feel threatened, right? So, and then being kind to ourselves and be like, okay, it, it, it makes sense why you feel scared, right? This person is reminding you of your father or this person is reminding you of somebody who assaulted you, right? So it's a threat. But then it's that instead of reacting to it, you get to pause, acknowledge how you feel, learn where this is coming from. And then instead of reacting, you're responding mindfully to yourself and you're responding mindfully in a way that, okay, I hear you. It makes sense why you feel that way. And it's such, you know, it's it's such a kind thing to do for ourselves instead of telling ourselves like, you should not feel that way. You got to keep moving. You got to keep pushing, right? You got to keep, you know, you got to be strong. And like, you don't have time to feel sad or that's a wrong feeling. You should not, you should not feel that way. Like that's not kind. That's keeping you in survival mode and that's not living. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And that's what causes disease. And that's why our nerve systems are dysregulated and and we're more, even more vulnerable to triggers. That's why people just get mad on Facebook, reading somebody else's comment on something that it's, it doesn't have anything to do with them. Yes. Because you're just easy, easily to be triggered. And and you lose your sense of power when you're like that because you haven't really developed that self-awareness so we, you can't control how you respond to things. And that is a, 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 a constant conversation I have with my fiance because of the work that I continue to do. Like I avoid watching the news. I avoid to jump in conversations that I don't feel that I, if I can't add any value, then I'm not going to say anything. I respect people's opinion, but but then, you know, it's just human nature. We have a tendency to wanting to be right, right? And then it causes all this disruption for nothing because the only reason is because I want to be right. And so it's, it's a waste of energy for me. So I have this conversation with my fiance because he just something about the the he's a debater like he's a amazing storyteller mm-hmm. and by trade he's in in that industry where he always needs to kind of bring the facts and kind of convince the board to you know consider different different ideas so anyway the point is i love the fact that you share with us what the big t and the little t and i can see as an immigrant the little T is a part of, is a constant thing that we need to work through it because of what we have to experience here, coming from a different culture and adapting to this culture and disappear in a way in order for us to to feel accepted. And now that we are older now and have more tools, how do you see yourself today after all these years of figuring Merget out? without the survival mechanism because we still have it it's oh yeah oh yeah but yeah. we have more tools now where we can catch things sooner now unless it's you know it's short term like i can see i can see myself when i'm stressed or hungry or i'm tired how i respond to my family members here right i can see my father doing that like oh, that was ugly. And then I'll go and talk to my fiance, like, I'm sorry. Here's why I respond to you this way. So I'm sorry. 
So I'm more self-aware because of the work that I continue to do. So I would love to, to hear from you, like, where are you now with the tools that you have gathered through your life? Yeah, no, I appreciate you expressing that, um, especially the part of like you sharing that, you know, there will be triggers, right? And we will be triggered. And it is our, we're accountable to have the, the tools to, you know, not react, right? And be right and be on a fight. And, be, and that's a defense mechanism, right? That's a stress response, fight or flight, and be on the fight mode, right? And be able to recognize and become aware that, oh, I'm being triggered, but that isn't about me. And be able to not react to that and put in the, you know, put in the, the fight, right? Because fighting is uh, it's a lot of energy. And I think I totally resonate with that, with what you're sharing, right? Where I am now with all the work that I've been doing, you know, the healing, the educating, the learning, I would say that I am a regulated person more than I was before. Because before I was that person, it's so dysregulated that I get triggered, I react. I may react, my stress response, my typical um, stress response is fight and flight, right? I fight. It's it's me against you, us against you. Right? Or freeze. Right. Yeah. Or, and that is, yeah, yeah. So what would happen to me is like my stress, like I'll fight and then I'm going to flight, which is like, I'm going to be busy. I'm like, a type, I was a type A. I want to control things. I want to make sure that I, you know, do, do, do. Like that was, you know, that was my, that was my stress response. And then, and then I freeze. And then I'm like, so exhausted from all that, that, you know, like I numb Right. That was me before. And to and numbing this, you know, this maladaptive coping mechanism that I have done before is eating. So I numb this feeling, right? Of sadness. I didn't want to feel sad. I didn't want to be anxious. And so I stuffed myself. And then and because it's I will I was looking for ways to regulate my nervous system. So my nervous system was whack because my traumas were not healed. So now with all the work that I have been doing, I will call myself or I would, I find myself as a more regulated person. Am I perfect? No. If I didn't get enough sleep, if I'm hangry, you know, you know, if I haven't exercised, I've been outside, if it's raining all the time, like my nervous system gets, gets dysregulated. But then I recognize that now and I'm like, okay, I just need a nap or I need to feed myself or I need to do a short meditation or I need to do some chanting. I need to stretch, like I'm aware, but then comparing myself now to where I was before, I am regulated. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So then your passion project that I am very, very happy to be a part of is Diva Girls Tribe. And uh, now that I've got to know the woman behind, now it makes sense why you want to create a tribe of a bringing awareness and healing to your platform so tell us about tell us more about why you decided because I you know as I was reading things about you and you know the Diver Diver Girl uh, tribe story it was a mission that was created uh, in Toronto correct that is correct so what made you like hey, like this can't die we need to keep this alive (laughs) and we need to bring this to America so what made you to take that responsibility to, to yeah. um, a diva girl in NUS? 
I wanted to be in a community. I wanted to feel like I belong somewhere. And, uh, you know, like like what I said, growing up in the Philippines and growing up in an all-girls school and having a lot of female friends, and it was very nurturing and it was great for me growing up. And then moving to the U.S. and feeling alone um, and being in spaces where in um, I, I stuck out, right? And then I went into a field where it's male-dominated, and I thought that my identity was this tomboy. And, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm tough just like the guys, right? I can't be emotional. I can't be this and that as a female, you know, so. And then I got invited to this event in Toronto, Canada, called Diva Girl. And I'm like, I'm so not a diva. I don't like pink. And then now I love, I, I actually really do love, even my mom had been telling me that you love pink when you were growing up. So I went there and I saw this women who are happy and joyful. And I'm like, I was so, and it was just a whole bunch of women in one building. And I haven't had that in a very long time, right? Since I moved to the US. And I was like, this felt amazing. I'm like, and then I realized that this woman were business owners. I'm like, oh, they're doing what they love and they're making money from it, right? I'm like, I want more of this. I want more. I want to be around this type of women. And again, coming from the field of, of EMS, mostly men, I'm like, where do I find communities like this in Philly? So I, I reach out to the founder. I'm like, yo, like you have to bring this to the US and, you know, and Philadelphia and my friends will come. A few girlfriends will come to the conference in Philly. She's like, come on, I'll help you plan it. And I ended up, I thought she was going to plan all the event and I will bring in my girlfriend and go to the event in Philadelphia. But I ended up becoming a business owner. And, and this is how the universe works, right? And I ended up, the owner, Laura Furtado, my great mentor, taught me how to become an entrepreneur, how to look for females who are going to be speakers, female business owners, how to network, how to make connection. That's She's big on that. Connection, building relationship. And then, you know, to like 2015, having not having a community of women to now having like more than a thousand women and having our ninth wellness conference, right? Congratulations. Right, centered around women. And now I'm like so fortunate and happy that I get to meet amazing women like yourself who's dedicated in like educating and empowering women in so many different ways. And you know, and, and women who 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 kind of look like me, right? Women like who are white and brown and black and Asians and you know, and like coming together in one space, lifting each other up, supporting each other, you know, and and just just sharing their skills. And I was just like, oh my God, like I, I I'm so grateful. It's a lot of work and I'm tired at times, but I'm just like, but it's so fulfilling and it's so joyful. So yeah. So that's I don't want to stop yet. Me neither. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so tell me who is the diva girl? Who, who is surveying? Which kind of woman needs this drive? To tell you honestly, Diva Girl, you know, like um, everybody is welcome. Every woman is welcome. However, we're not a fit for everyone. Our community is composed of many women from different backgrounds. And our main goal is to build connection and support each other, education and empowering. And it's not the typical networking event where it's transactional, which is also, I understand it's important in business. If you, if you are a woman who is looking to make more connections, build relationship, learn more and feel empowered or have the skills or the talent that you want to share 
to a group of women, then Diva Girl is for you because our community is about giving back. It's about accepting women and their 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 flaws and also their their talents and skills and you know and highlighting those right so that it can resonate and other women can relate to it and know that they are not alone so yeah if you're looking for a community that educates and empowers women with by creating or curating spaces of diverse um, community driven confident women then you're more than welcome to come join us that's awesome so the the major event that I'm a part of, that I'm super excited to be a part of, is May 21st. And you also have a membership program. Can we talk about that? Yes, of course. So we have a two-tier membership, actually three. So we have a free community on Facebook, Diva Girl 411. You may join anybody who's interested in connecting with um, 1.4 thousand members. Feel free to join that. It's free. Our events are are even though you're not a member, you're welcome to attend our events. And uh, we have the lifestyle membership, which is for women who don't have a business or just starting out in business. Um, and a lot of the women in that lifestyle membership are either students or recently graduate or moms or, you know, or empty nesters or women who are looking for um, event spaces and also teachers, educators, coaches, mentors, those are our lifestyle members. And it's $20 a month and you get to attend some of our signature events for free. You get to be part of our quarterly brunches and attend our meetups and um, our, our book club and, and our big conferences. So we have that. And you get also free programs, courses. And then we have our business affiliate membership. And our business affiliate membership are geared towards women business owners. Whether you're starting out or you have been in business for a while, it's a great space to be promoted. So we have this group of women who are not business owners who are looking to support and and get educated and learn from women business owners. So our business affiliate members are the people I I highlight and, and present to our community. And our business own business affiliate members meet once a month for our mastermind. You get to lead our meetups and and sh- and give and share your your skills and your talents to our community. You get to be on stage on our conferences um, and you also get big discounts. So for for vendor spots, for conferences, and you also get opportunities to volunteer at like local nonprofit organization, be featured on TV, and also be a part of um, investor lunches or breakfast um, and, and meet other organizational leaders in the community in Philadelphia that promotes local business owners or help and support local business owners. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Girl, listen, every time you talk, I I continue to fall in love with you because you're such a mission-driven woman. It's beautiful to watch. And I'm so glad that we cross paths. Like my spirit was was saying, hey, she is the one who you need to collaborate with. Because, you know, again, I fell in love with you at Selfish Philly last year. And now- Shout out to Danielle Massey. Yeah, Yeah, she's a diva girl, yeah. 
She's, yeah. yeah, she's amazing too. You know, Philly has a lot of hidden jams, like yeah. powerful healers, badass women. I'm very honored to be in your group and to be a part of your mission and uh, having you on this podcast because I want, you know, my Bonitas to get to know you and your work and also know where to find help or support. So where can the listeners find you? Tell us. Yes, yes, definitely. So you can find me on social media. Um, I have two. One is Diva Girl Community, and that's all women empowerment, women education, and women business owners in our community, and also events that are happening. And then I am also Philly trauma counselor and that's me on instagram philly trauma counselor and that is where i do all my mental health stuff and uh, you can reach me there you can dm me or you can go to my website at resilientmindworks.com and all that information is going to be under our show notes so don't worry about it bonitas it will be all available under the show notes so miss Morjack, what would you say to 17 year old Morjack? from where you stand in today? I would tell the 17-year-old Majet to practice showing up as your true authentic self as often as you can. To not hide, to please others. To not dim your light. To make space or, or please others to speak up, speak up loudly. You have a voice, it needs to be heard. And to show up in spaces, ask for what you need and uh, and be your authentic self. On that note, Bonitas, this episode is complete. Thank you so much for your presence, Mujet, and I'll see you soon. All right, Bonitas, thank you so much for your time. And I'll see you the next episode of the Be Bonita podcast. Have a great day. Ciao. All right, Bonita. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Be Bonita podcast. I hope you're leaving our time together feeling more confident. Keep the conversation going and connect with me on Instagram at Viviani Aires Skin and on my website at www.vivianiaidesskinwellness.com. And I'm looking forward to see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Ciao.